Thanks for checking out the Refuge Official Podcast. Wherever you're from, we hope that this message will encourage you and help you grow in your relationship with God. Now, here's our lead pastor, Matthew Malik. Thank you, Michaela. Well, good morning, church. Yes, this is a great day to be alive. It's a great day to be in church. And my name is Matt Malik. I'm the lead pastor at Refuge. You know, it, we have a winter conference well, we don't have it, but crew has it in Minneapolis. So a lot of our, our young adults are, are there this morning. Actually, Jeff and Marissa, our worship leaders, are leading worship for Winter Conference. And that's a regional event for crew. So uh, we, we miss those guys, but we know they're, they're having a good uh, download of revelation information. Uh, so, But, you know, if you want to move up to some of these seats in front, that way I can, you know, look at you a little bit closer, feel free to do that. Kind of move up. Fill in these seats here. I, I like the front row full, okay? So let's see if we have any takers on that one, okay? All right, yeah, there it goes. <laughs> anyway, uh, Michaela was talking a little bit about the year-end gift, and I'm just going to uh, maybe share a couple of thoughts at the end of the service. We'll be receiving that. And, and that's a real important element, as I think, as we move forward. God wants to empower us for the future, and, and that often relates to commitments we make today that allows us to go forward in the purpose that God has for us. And this whole year-end gift is an opportunity for those that have a heart to build the kingdom of God to plan and prepare to invest for what's coming. And whenever we address finances at Refuge, it's always with the intent uh, to approach it as an opportunity for participation in God's vision to reach our community and to reach our world. And, and, and so we are thankful for the opportunity to share and to give. And, and the biblical mandate we see in God's word is very clear and evident. Uh, the, the scripture tells us about the importance, how it's more blessed to give than to receive. And it positions you for more so that you can do more for God and for his kingdom. And, and, and it's also, also important for you to realize that uh, whether you give or not, that's your determination. It, it's up to you. It, it's, it's between you and God because giving is always a matter of the heart. And it's, a, and it's an expression of our willing, and obe- our willing obedience to invest in something that's eternal. And, and I think as we mature in our walk with God, we should have a growing conviction to give consistently and regularly into the work of God in the earth. And so uh, we're targeting areas that I believe is going to help us to be successful in the upcoming year. Our goal this year for the, uh, is 170,000 as we propel into the new year. And we have targeted areas of people, projects, and property as we address some debt elimination, as we uh, take care of projects around here, as we expand and as we look to see God's word accomplished. And so um, we will uh, talk a little bit more about that at the end. But um, So um, how many of you are ready for the word this morning? We're, we're going to get into it. And, and something that I believe uh, is important is to share a little bit of humor, right? Um, <laughs> and I'll do that. I almost skipped that part. I almost just totally skipped that part. Some of you probably are thinking, yeah, you can skip that part, Pastor Matt. <laughs> anyway, um, if you wanted to know how much it would cost in today's economy to get your loved ones or one of your loved ones uh, what is depicted in the Christmas carol, the 12 days of Christmas, how much do you think that would cost in today's economy? Okay, and actually, there is an organization. It's called the PNC Christmas Price Index. PNC Financial Services Group. For 36 years, they've calculated the prices of the 12 days of Christmas, okay, for the Christmas kill. And for the 2019 Total Christmas Price Index, CPI, which is Christmas Price Index, okay, is $38,993.59. And I think a lot of that is those five golden rings. But uh, (laughs) anyway, um, so for your information, you know, uh, interesting 
as it is. But I hope and trust that you had a precious time of Christmas and really celebrating the presence of God and spending time with family. Uh, it's important to realize that Christmas is the season that engages the whole world in a conspiracy of love, and that's the love of Jesus. Uh, talking about New Year's resolutions, and I'm not necessarily one that's really in that because New Year's resolutions are often broken after the first week or month. Uh, but a New Year's resolution, in my opinion, is something that goes in one year and out the other. Did you catch that? <laughs> okay. And uh, so my New Year's resolution is to stop hanging around or hanging out with people who ask me about my New Year's resolution. Okay. No. <laughs> Only kidding. And finally, uh, may all your troubles last as long as your New Year resolutions. Okay. All right. So we're going to talk about reset this morning. It's the title of this morning's message. And one of the things that we understand that any time that something is going wrong or not as you expected, there's an opportunity for a reset. We're going to talk about that dynamic this morning in this morning's message. And, and something I shared last week, and I just wanted to, to add a little bit to that. I started the service in, in the message talking about how we find love, acceptance, and forgiveness through Jesus Christ. And it's realizing that Jesus accepts you just as you are. As, you are. as, as the song uh, where we come to him, uh, just as we are. You know, we come to him as we are, and Jesus accepts us as we are. But realize this, that he does not leave us in the condition that we come to him in. Because he's going to change you. He's going to transform you. He's going to do something significant in your life so you won't be left the same. He will not, I can promise you, leave you in your present condition. He never leaves you in the condition in which he finds you, whether you're broken, whether you're bound in sin, whether you're beaten down, or if you're even self-righteous. He picks you up, and he transforms you and changes your life. And, and the scripture tells us in John 16, 37, whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. Whoever comes to me, I'll never cast out. The, the contemporary English version says, I won't turn any of them away. So God's not going to turn you away. He's not going to turn people away. Even though you might think those people, you know, they need to get the act together before they come to God. Well, that's not the way it works. Ephesians 1.6 tells us that he made us accepted in the beloved. He accepts us. Romans 15.7 states that we have to accept one another, just as Christ accepted us to the glory of God. So there's an open invitation to come to him. And whether you've been walking with God for many years or whether you kind of stumble in here and you've never really walked with God or served him, the invitation is to come. As a believer, you can come if you're weary, according to Matthew 11, and you can find rest for your souls. Because we can get weary in this world. And many times that is what requires a reset. As the last chapter of 2019 draws near and a decade comes to an end, it's time to look ahead to a brand new year. A brand new decade awaits us. It really does. But how will we enter it? What state of mind do we have? What outlook do we have for it? What outlook do we hold towards it? In a couple of days, we're going to be saying goodbye to 2019, a year that brought great blessing to some and great heartache to others, and for many, a mixture of both. No matter how this year has been, obviously, there's lessons that we've learned, and hopefully we've grown. Hopefully we're better than how we, when we started this year. And I believe it all depends on our focus you may be overcome with defeat, or are you positioned for victory? And I believe God wants to position you for victory. And so the message this morning is, is going to kind of wrap around that a little bit. But we want to uh, start in Philippians chapter 3, verse 13 and 14. If you have your Bible, you can turn there. 
Philippians chapter 3, verse 13 and 14. And in the English Standard Version, this reads, Brothers, and we can include sisters there too, I do not consider that I've made it my own. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. Verse 14, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Now, there's a few things we see that we're going to pray in just a moment. Notice the phrase that says, forgetting what lies behind. Forgetting what lies behind. You need to understand that there's times we need to forget what's behind us. And we need to focus on what's before us as we look for the upward call, to the upward call of God upon our lives. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity to share your word with this body of believers. Holy Spirit, we invite you into this house. Help me, O oh God, to communicate truth in a way that can be impactful in the lives of people. We welcome your presence, O oh God. Help us, Father, to find that place of reset, refocus, so that we can be set on the course that you've determined for our life. The upward call, the call that takes up us upward, not downward. Help us, Father, to forget those things that would be tormenting us so we can focus on what you have for us. In the name of Jesus, we give you praise, we give you glory, we give you honor. In Jesus' name, amen. You see, we forget what lies behind. We forget what lies behind to release ourselves from past hurts, from wrongs, uh, from wrong relationships, from challenging circumstances. It's all part of the healing process. Forgetting is part of the healing process. Forgetting can be a curse, but it can also be a blessing because sometimes thoughts can torment you that have been negative. And, and we're going to partake of communion today as well. And, and part of that is remembrance and the power of remembrance and remembering what Jesus did for us. And so the things we remember need to be established in our life so that we can walk in the victory God's prepared. And so what we need is a reset. And Merriam-Webster defines reset as to set again or anew. Reset means to refresh, to do over, to reboot. You know, sometimes in the NFL uh, pro football game, they have to reset the clock to do a play over. Have you ever seen that, where they reset the clock? They put more time on the clock, and that's a reset. And, and maybe God will do that for you today. Maybe he's going to reset the clock in your life to give you more time to accomplish what he wants you to do, okay? Now, reset is to set again, to reset your alarm clock. Have you ever forgot to reset your alarm clock, and then you oversleep? Yeah, that's happened to many of us. Um, to set, or we could say reset a broken bone. Um, you know, that's important. If you break your bone, you better get it reset or it may grow back deformed. To set, adjust, or fix in a new or different way, we may need to reset priorities. Or a merchant at a store may need to reset prices. See, all of us need to reset at some point in our life. And this morning, I want to talk about a spiritual reset, a spiritual reset, okay? Now, how many of you like or love the idea of a fresh start? How about a clean slate? I would think most of us would like that idea. Imagine the chance or the opportunity to cleanse your past mistakes, to right wrongs, to move forward in life without the burden of bad memories or or hurtful or unhealthy habits. The chance for a fresh start or reset is why many people make New Year's resolutions, okay? That's why they do that, because they're looking, they're longing for that reset, another chance at, at doing life. Many use the time, that stroke of midnight, to hit the reset button in their lives. Now, for many of us, the reset button 
will bring life changes, lifestyle changes like diet or exercise and hope that your physical, physical condition may improve, okay? Um, and yet, but what about our spiritual condition? On December 31st, which is coming up in a couple of days, at 11.57, I may be gorging myself on Bob's famous, famous fudge. I can't even say it. <laughs> and eating Reese's peanut butter cups. I may be, you know, gorging on that. But at midnight, I'm giving up sweets. So I'm going to get all that I can in before the stroke of midnight, okay? Well, let's see how long that lasts. You're over at your mom, your neighbors, and all of a sudden they bring out the dessert. Oh, there goes the resolution. The pecan pie just won the battle, you know. Yeah. So we need to reset, not a resolution, okay? That's my point. We need to reset, not a resolution. New Year's resolutions are flawed and don't usually last. What we need is a reset. Now, why is a reset necessary? Well, we reset a circuit breaker. How many of you know what a circuit breaker is? All of a sudden, you're putting the toast in, and all of a sudden, it doesn't work, and you're thinking, okay, something's wrong. Oh, you overloaded the circuit, and so you blew the circuit breaker, so you have to go and you have to reset it. You have to go in the breaker panel and, and find it and then reset it. Um, but you know, it does no good to reset the breaker if you don't disconnect uncertain or unnecessary items because it's overloaded. Sometimes our life is overloaded and you have to disconnect some things before you reset, okay? Uh, we reset, I, I said this earlier, we, we reset a broken bone. Uh, res, uh, resetting a bone is always painful, but it's necessary, okay? Without a reset, the bone may not heal properly, and sometimes a broken bone may require surgery to reset it. Now, uh, most electronic devices have a reset default that is set by the manufacturer, yet we are able to choose our preferences, okay? And from time to time, you may be prompted to restore your device to the factory defaults. Have you ever seen that? We reset a computer. If your computer is sluggish, if it's slow, if it has a virus or it's locking up, we need to reset it. And there's two types of resets when you're dealing with a computer. Uh, there's a soft reset, uh, which is inconvenient. It's merely to reestablish uh, uh, if it's a sluggish, it's acting sluggish, uh, the computer is acting that way, then you need to reset it. But a hard reset is painful because it may require deleting old programs and reestablishing the factory settings. To reset is to reboot. To reboot is to reload the operating system of a computer. Now, I'm talking and maybe appealing to some of the tech people out there. Uh, rebooting is usually necessary after a computer crashes. Have you ever had that happen? That's happened to me too many times. I don't, um, it stops working because of some malfunction. But rebooting allows the computer to restart and get back to working like it should, working normally. So, point. You can write this down if you're taking notes. We need a reset to our manufacturers, manufacturers, I'll get it out right, settings. But I'm going to change the word manufacturer to the word creators. We need to reset to our creators' settings. And that's what I want to address this morning. An encounter with Jesus Christ is required for the reset. An encounter with Jesus Christ is, Christ is required for the reset. It's called redemption. Redemption. To redeem is to restore. Merriam-Webster defines it as serving to offset or compensate for a defect. Redeem. To offset or compensate for a defect. To redeem is to reclaim ownership or exchange. 
Redemption refers to the ransom of slaves in Exodus 21.18. The Greek word for redemption means release affected by payment of ransom. And Jesus redeemed us from the devil's grip, from the power of sin, from eternal separation from him, from eternal hellfire. In Luke 1.68, the scripture reads, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people. This was the word that came to Zechariah, the father of John the Baptist. Jesus is our redeemer. In Ephesians 1, 7, it says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace. See, you and I, if we're believers, if we're Christians, we have a new reality in Christ. In this past year, it's really come to me as I read scripture, as I define certain specific aspects of what it means to serve God and walk with him, we discover our new reality. It's revealed in the pages of the Bible. Your new reality is right here. Read it. Take time with it. And you'll discover your new reality. And that's the reality that we need to embrace for our life and begin to live in and live out, okay? And so uh, I am, and, and this message just really came to me this past week as I was thinking and pondering about what I'm going to share with the people. Our new reality is that my new reality in Christ is I am not my own. I am his possession. I've been bought with a price. So I no longer have rights over my body. Someone else, Jesus, has rights over this body, over this person right here standing before you. In 1 Peter 2.9, this is what Peter, by the Holy Spirit, declared concerning you and me and any believer. 1 Peter 2.9 says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. You are a people for his own possession. You might say, are you possessed? Am I possessed? According to the scripture, we are his possession. The King James Version says a peculiar people. We don't like to talk about that, though. <laughs> It goes on to say that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You've been called out of darkness. You don't have to live in darkness anymore. You've been called to enjoy the light. Coming out of darkness into his marvelous light. In other words, you begin to see things you didn't see before. You begin to walk with revelation and understanding where before you were confused and, and didn't know the meaning, the true meaning of life. So my challenge for you today in this message when, as we reset is to glorify God in your body. And I want to talk about a greater truth that we see in First Corinthians chapter 6, starting at verse 14. Now, the context of this is actually addressing sexual immorality. But there's a truth that's revealed in here that I believe trumps so much of how we live our life in this Christian walk. So, verse 14. <clears throat> and God raised the Lord and will also raise us up by his power. Isn't that a great promise? Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? To be a member, that means we're connected. Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? Never. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a prostitute becomes one body with her? For it is written, the two will become one flesh. But he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. So you see the contrast. You see the comparison. If you join yourself with a prostitute, you become one with that person. There's a connection that takes place. But verse 17 says, he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. So spiritually, we become one with Christ. And see, the context of, of really what Christianity is all about is, 
is becoming one with the creator, becoming one with Jesus, the son of God. Okay? Verse 18 goes on to say, flee from sexual immorality. In other words, other words, run from it. Don't let it ever catch you. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body. But sexual immorality or sexual the sexual immoral person sins against his own body. See, so it's in a different category is basically what the Apostle Paul is writing here. And the, for this reason, verse 19 and 20, or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you? Holy Spirit within you, you being a temple. I call this a porter temple. Why? Because we can move around. And so the temple in Jerusalem that was built by Solomon, that was fixed. That was not a porter temple. But under the new covenant, you and I become the temple of the Spirit of God, the temple of God. So we carry his presence wherever we go. And that's what's so significant about this and, and what I'm sharing with you this morning. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. What? I'm not my own. Don't I have rights? Don't I have, do, can I do what I want to do? Not according to this. You're not your own. And see, this revelation needs to sink in as, as we reset. Verse 20, reason being, for you were bought, this is that word redemption, with a price. So glorify God in your body. He bought you. He owns you now. He redeemed you now. You belong to him. Now, he's not a mean taskmaster. He's a benevolent, loving God who has your best interest at heart. Okay? So, question, are you Christ's? Do you belong to Christ? Do you belong to God? Do you belong to Christ? Because you are not your own. If you consider yourself a believer, you are not your own. Do you not know? Not understanding this one truth gives us the answer to why we struggle in our Christian walk. Because we don't realize that we are not our own. That we've been bought with a price. That we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So there's areas that we need to reset. We need to reset. We need to reset in our thinking, in our attitude. We need to reset in our minds. This, in effect, will affect our actions. In turn, this reset in our attitude and our mind and our thinking is going to affect your actions. You're going to begin to act differently. Romans 8, verses 6 and 7, and I'm giving you a lot of scripture today because this is a foundation that I believe is important. Romans 8, 6, and 7 says, For to set the mind on the flesh is death. Uh, you don't want to set your mind on the flesh, do you? But to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. How many of you could use some life and peace? Okay? So that's a good reset, right? Setting your mind on the spirit. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile towards God or to God. For it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. In other words, we need to set our mind on the Lord, on God. And, and how can we do that? We see a passage in Romans 12, 1 and 2. Romans 12, 1 and 2 tells us what to do with our bodies, and it tells us what to do with our minds. It's very clear instruction. As we look at it, it reads, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your Spiritual worship. In other words, these bodies, we need to sacrifice these bodies by giving them to God. And it's a living sacrifice. That's not a dead one, okay? He wants you living. He wants you alive. As a sacrifice, Lord, here I am. I offer. A sacrifice is an offering. It's offering your life, your physical body to God. Lord, use this body any way you want. This is your temple. Whatever you want to do through this body, I'm giving you permission for you to do that. That's a form of worship. The greatest form of worship. It's a lifestyle. It's not how loud you can sing and all that. It's your lifestyle reflects true worship, how you live, okay? 
And I heard one minister says it doesn't matter how high you're jumping in, a, in worship. You can jump and shout, I love that. But how straight do you walk when your feet hit the ground, you know? So, see, that's where the fruit is. That's where the true witness is, okay? Now, the next verse, verse 2, Romans 12, 2. Do not be conformed to this world. That means to be squeezed into the mold of the world. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. And so the renewal of your mind is to change your thinking so that it begins to align with the word of God. This is the source of mind renewal, the Bible, the word of God. When you receive it, it will change the way you think. It has the power to transform you. And we need to be transformed, not just conformed. You can try to conform a person's life, but transforming them is what brings true and lasting change, okay? So how do we hit the reset button? We're going to do that today through communion. How do we reset to prepare for 2020? We have an opportunity for you. When you came in this morning, you received a little brochure, 21 Days of Prayer. And since I think the year 2000, uh, this church has participated in the corporate uh, prayer and fast time. And this is based in Daniel chapter 1 and Daniel chapter 10. We see uh, where he fasted. It wasn't a total fast, but it was like fruits and vegetables, the healthy stuff that your body really craves for and, and, and longs for and loves, but you don't know that, okay? <laughs> It's what your body's really calling out for. Hey, I want the salad. Not, not the whatever. The, the lemon meringue pie, you know. Okay. So this brochure basically gives you an outline. Uh, there's a directive, a prayer directive. We actually are starting next Sunday, right? That's the day. And uh, we'll be going 21 days. And uh, uh, it's, it's realizing that Fasting is, is, is sometimes hard for people because, you know, one thing I, I don't look forward to giving up is caffeine. Morning cup of coffee. And I'm just usually a one cup of coffee a day person, but I, I love that cup of coffee. So I can do without it for 21 days, right, honey? And um, sometimes the first couple of days I have a headache. Well, that's because your body's calling for caffeine and you're not giving it caffeine, okay? But... Uh, this is, um, uh, it, we, we want you to read this. We encourage you to participate because to have a reset, it requires you to spend time in prayer, to get in the presence of God. See, Jesus said, when you fast, he didn't give it as an option. He didn't say, if you fast, he said, when you fast. He said, when you fast. See, the goal of fasting is to become closer in your walk to God by voluntarily denying the flesh of what it wants to give God what he wants, okay? And, and so Isaiah describes the fast in Isaiah 58, um, the fast that God chooses. It's a fast that brings lasting change in our lives where you can look back and say, yeah, God did something in me and my life is different because of it. The Daniel fast is, and that's the, what, we kind of prescri- what we prescribe here, is a partial fast that recognizes, is, is, is actually recognized as an effective way to really seek God, spending time in his presence and, and getting free uh, to do what he wants us to do in our lives. I, I believe that fasting is a sacrifice that exhibits a desire to follow the will of God for our life. It's really a voluntary step of humility which demonstrates the seriousness in seeking the heart of God and his kingdom influence in our lives. And, and I believe it's, it's the desire of this church to fulfill God's will in 2020. As, as individuals, we need to embrace that and as a church as well. Daniel 9.3 reads, So I gave my attention to the Lord. And this is what it's about. I gave my attention to the Lord, God, 
to seek him by prayer and supplications with fasting. At this time, before we receive communion, I do want to extend an invitation. Maybe you've come here this morning and you know that your life is not right with God. And I trust that God spoke to everyone here, that he's spoken something to you through this message. We understand that the birth of Jesus, which we just celebrated his birth, even though it cannot be proven he was born on the 25th, the fact that he was born and and it's wonderful that we celebrate his birth. The birth of Jesus marked the beginning of a new phase of God's plan for humanity. And as human beings were powerless against sin, that's the reason Jesus came to break the power of sin so that we could be free from it where its power would be defeated in our lives. We're powerless against sin, but because of Jesus, who is all-powerful in us, we can overcome it. Why? Because he has overcome it. See, there's nothing you did or can do to earn salvation. Salvation is a gift that we receive by faith when we put our trust in him. I'm just going to ask if you take a moment and close your eyes. And I'm speaking to individuals here today that maybe you've never really committed your life to Jesus Christ, receiving him as the Lord of your life. Or maybe you have at one point and now you've drifted away and you feel like God is is drawing you and and you want to return to him and reestablish and recommit your life to him to reestablish a relationship with him. Sometimes people get mad at God and they walk away from him when he's the only one that can really help you. So my appeal is, if you're here today and you say, Pastor, would you pray for me? I know that my life is not right with God, but I'm ready to give my heart to him. I need a reset in my life today. If that's you, lift your hand. As I look across the auditorium, I see that hand. I see that hand too. The others, thank you. I'm going to have you stand right now. We're going to pray this prayer. And I call this prayer a believer's prayer. There's a number of you that lifted your hand. Thank you for being honest before God. Thank you for being willing to be vulnerable And I believe it's because your heart is yearning to really connect with the author of life, with the creator, Jesus Christ. So I'm going to lead you in this prayer, which I call a believer's prayer. And everyone can pray this prayer with me. Heavenly Father, I come before you. I acknowledge that I need you, that I'm a sinner who needs a savior. I believe you sent Jesus Christ to be the Savior of the world who died on the cross for me and rose from the dead to give me life. Jesus, I open up my heart and life to you. Come into my heart. Be the Lord of my life. I receive you now. Forgive me of all my sins and cleanse me from unrighteousness. I declare that I'm now your child. Make my life what you want it to be. In Jesus' name, amen. You can go ahead and be seated at this time. And we're going to transition right into communion now. Uh, The hosts are ready to uh, present the elements And so they're going to be passing them out as I share. And uh, just pass, I'll mention you, I'll be seated. And um, for communion, this is also a reset. It's interesting that Jesus established this in the scripture as something believers throughout the generations were to practice and honor. And so for the spiritual reset concerning communion, There's three big words I want you to hear. 
participation, remembrance, and examination. Participation, remembrance, and examination. In 1 Corinthians 10, 16, and 17, it says, The cup of blessing that we bless, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? The bread that we break, is it not a participation in the body of Christ? Verse 17, because there is one bread, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one bread. See, we're all in this together. And uh, at my instruction, we're going to partake, but if you just hold um, your uh, elements there. Participation. We've been called into this participation with Christ. We're part of him. He's part of us. We're part of one another. There's something significant. That means you have a significant role to play in the plan of God. The second big word is remembrance. First Corinthians 10. Or actually 11 verses. 23 through 26. It says, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. At this time, if you take the bread. examination because before we partake of this bread we see in 1 Corinthians 10 or 11 actually 27 says whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks of the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and the blood of the Lord notice verse 28 let a person examine himself then and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body, eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many of you are weak and ill, and some have died. As we take hold of the the wafer here, this bread, which represents the body of Jesus that was given for us. Jesus said to do this in remembrance of me. As we partake, we need to do it with realization that we're partakers of the divine nature, that we're partakers of Christ, that he belongs to us and we belong to him. We've been made one. And in this relationship, there's something so significant. As we call to remembrance what Jesus did for us on the cross, there's life, there's strength, and there's an opportunity to reset our focus, reset our objectives in life. It's interesting because the Apostle Paul talked about examining your heart. I want you to do that right now. Just take a moment and ask the Lord to forgive you if you've done anything that you know has offended Him in your attitudes, in your actions, in your thoughts. Take a moment to forgive anyone that you hold the grudge towards, somebody that's wronged you. Father, we thank you for this bread that represents your body. Not just your physical body, but even understanding that we're now part of the body of Christ. And we share your life together. There's something supernatural. There's something unique. As we belong to you and make this expression as we partake of this bread calling to remembrance what you did for us to forgive us to cleanse us and fill our life that was empty with your fullness in Jesus name let's partake of the bread together First Corinthians 11 25 it says, in the same way, he also took 
the cup after supper saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me for as often you eat this bread and drink the cup you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes let's pray before we partake of the cup Heavenly Father we thank you for the blood of Jesus that was shed for us to cleanse us from sin as we partake of this cup we call to remembrance the sacrifice Jesus made for us and how from the cross he forgave us even when he said Father forgive them for they know not what they do we acknowledge and receive forgiveness from our sins in Jesus name gave your heart to Jesus when you felt his presence you felt his cleansing you felt his incredible love and acceptance and forgiveness thank you Father now the host at this time are passing uh, the baskets for putting the elements, the containers in before we conclude the service we want to take a moment and prepare our gifts. And many of you have already come prepared. And so far we've received $7,000 in gifts and pledges. And, and our goal is $170,000 that we believe in God for. In Mark chapter 4, verses 24 and 25 of the Message Bible, it reads this way. Listen carefully to what I say and be wary of the shrewd advice that tells you how to get ahead in the world on your own. Giving, not getting, is the way. Generosity begets generosity. Stinginess impoverishes. If you have your pledges too, if you fill these out, Many of you are doing a monthly pledge or a one-time gift. Whatever you're doing, we want to honor God with this as we present it to him. You know, we've been talking about it for the last few weeks, but now it's come a time to release in obedient faith what God's put upon our hearts. And as everyone does their part, I believe that every need will be met as God provides out of his abundance. Thank you, Father. Let's join our faith together as we pray. In fact, let's stand together. We'll stand. Heavenly Father, our heart is to see this city one to Christ. Lord, our heart is to do our part to reach this world. And Father, although there's many needs and there's many places to sow seed, we thank you for our connection to refuge, for this vision, and Father, for your heart of this vision to reach this community and beyond. Father, we thank you for the provision that you make available through our hands that we can give so that we can see a great work accomplished in the year 2020. Father, as we invest, as we sow to the future, we're grateful for what you provided us for. And Father, I thank you for having spoken to people and, and put it upon their hearts an amount, a portion of their finances to give, to sow, to pledge towards. Father, that you would honor that pledge and that you would enable them to fulfill it. That they would see your hand of provision and blessing 
as they invest in lives of people in the work of God that's before us. In Jesus' name, Lord, we thank you for heaven's provision, heaven's release upon this work that you've established in the earth. Father, we pray for other churches and ministries in this community that you'd also provide abundantly for them that none would go without and none would lack in order to fulfill what you've called them to do. We pray for ministries like Destiny Point. We pray for the Christian radio stations, Lord God, that are doing a service in, in this local area as well and other ministries that you would provide and supply every need according to your riches and glory through Christ Jesus. And Father, because we are giving, you said, it shall be given unto us. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. In Jesus' name. And Father, we thank you now for a reset in our lives as we look ahead to the new year, as we close out this year. In Jesus' name, amen. You can go ahead and be seated, and uh, the baskets will be passed. The host will receive the year-end pledge and gifts. And um, as soon as the basket passes, you can stand again and worship in this closing song. Uh, this happens to be my favorite song right now, Waymaker. So if, if you hear it a lot, maybe one of the reasons. But I think it's probably one of your favorites too. And so whatever you're facing, whatever you're looking at, God's going to make a way for you. Thank you so much for being so attentive to the word. God bless you. And you have a great rest of the year and a new decade ahead. God bless. At Refuge, we believe all people matter to God. Thank you so much for listening. If you would like to connect further with Refuge, feel free to go online to wearerefuge.net or on social media at wearerefuge.